listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. All are current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years experience. Each month, we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone back to the Medic Materials Podcast. Uh, I am thoroughly excited today because Kelsey, you're back. And uh, Emily, you are back as well. However, we're missing Gerardo. It's I I never get them all. I get two, I lose one. (laughs) I get one, I lose two. You know, it's just it's it's been a, a, a weird, interesting half of a year, hasn't it been? Yes. There's just been like a lot of change in all of our lives recently. Seriously. Um, so Kelsey, I was gonna I was gonna ask you the first show that you got back, um, which is surprisingly today. Uh, how is being a brand new paramagician? No one's actually I like I have not I have waited to ask you this question until we are going to be recording uh because um yeah like like it's really good i really enjoy it but then there's sometimes where i'm like huh i'm just guessing at this moment in time and i'm just hoping i'm gonna guess right (laughs) yeah and you do it with a a completely straight face that's what i taught you to do (laughs) i uh said something and they're like really and i was like i don't know i just said it with enough confidence that you believe me and i was like huh that's how that works yeah (laughs) yeah that's what turek's been doing for years um, <laughs> but it seems like, you know, every call that I go on is not, you know, there's a lot of practical aspects I can pull from school and stuff, but every call I go on, I feel like I'm Googling something afterwards because I still missed something on it. Um, so it's a definitely a little bit of a learning curve and it, I feel like the hardest part isn't the patient care. It's like the juggling of all the hurting of the kittens of everything else that's going on. Um, yeah, it definitely, at least for like me personally, but we're getting a handle on it. We're trying. Well, it definitely. And, um, there's a lot more driving than I anticipated to be involved. <laughs> yes, especially where you're working. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny how you don't really get that ringleader feeling as an EMT. Uh, even you know being like the senior EMT on the call, uh, you don't really get that like you know herding cats. I'm in charge of everything. Uh, until you get to be the, the paramedic on the scene. And then it's like, oh, okay, look, the paramedic's here. Uh, yeah, I'm done. Here, it's yours. It's your problem now. Um, yeah, that was that was a weird thing for me to get used to as well. Like just the, hey, you're in charge of all this terrible nonsense. Have fun. What? I never did this before. Like I got to worry about putting in an IV and making sure I don't, you know, stick it in someone's eyeball. Let alone and it's w- like, what else I'm doing. Definitely cool to see because I've I've picked up a few shifts as an EMT recently too, where you know, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. Like, back to my roots. And then like, it's crazy to see like the different perspective you have on things, and you're like, why is that person doing something that way? Or like, why is this going the way it is? Mm-hmm. Because like I'm now you just see things cool. totally different than yeah. you would have. Well, I'm glad you just said it's cool to experience that because when I did the higher education level and then I went back to EMT, I'm like, oh my God, this is so frustrating because at the end of the day, I'm still just the EMT. Yeah. Like I was remember sitting there on this one call and I was like, I like, I would like to be doing so much right now and I'm just going to yeah. sit here, sit on my hands. Like, do you want me to spike that tailing back for you? Like, I'm really yeah, like good at it. <laughs> I spent- pleasantly suggest something, but you can't make them do something. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that was and that was one of the big things that pushed me into going was I knew enough to be dangerous. Like I knew what should happen. So yeah. when it wasn't, I was like, um are 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 you gonna do this? And they're like, nah, 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 nah. They don't need that. I'm like, but 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 they do. But they do. Like I would do and it. It's also hard too. Because, like, you don't want a Monday morning quarterback because, like, just because you do your patient care one way doesn't mean everybody does it the same way. So, like, as long as there's the same end result, it's fine. But then sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, you know, it's working, but I would not have done it this way. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
so Kelsey, in the last, like, I don't know how many episodes, we have not had a rig check. So I am going to chuck it to you for the return of Kelsey's rig check. Man, that's a lot of pressure, but uh, got some pretty cool stuff. So I'm going to let you guys know that the third podcast episode on Patreon is now video. So you can see the facial expressions as we tell our best call reviews. <laughs> and just a fair warning, we are terrible at filtering our faces. It's super easy to like, have to cut the audio out um, when we say things we probably shouldn't. But our faces are pretty much a tell-all. So uh, if you really want to see how we're feeling no matter what's coming out of our mouths just look at our faces and you'll be able to catch that on our videos um becoming a salty veteran on patreon also will get you access to the now twice monthly quote the next episode live stream gerard and mike talking about life gerard's moving getting used to his new job um like we had said before you know all four of us were kind of going through some changes recently in our lives whether it was moving new jobs just changing career paths whatever we were doing and so we've been juggling a little bit so if you uh want to come hang out on that live stream with us that'd be really great we could talk to you about it and see you there medic materials is now on twitter follow us there for daily post at medic materials and we're going to shout out iceland and uh a special special that shout out to north carolina where gerard has left us to go uh be nice and toasty and warm more than we are. I uh, stepped out of my car today and almost ate shit on a sheet of black ice. So, ow! Welcome to December in New York. I know, right? Yeah. I woke up. Um, and then we would like to thank our new patrons who have joined us since then: Mike, Brent, Noah, Kelly, and Darren. So, thank you guys for joining us and for continuing Kelly? to support us on this adventure. What'd you say, Emma? Kelly. There. Yes. Yes, Kelly. Not R. Kelly, but A. Kelly has joined you know? the Patreon because I know, I know. This Kelly has a last name. Okay. R. Kelly Fine. does not have a last name. Um, but, uh, you know, that was a suggestion uh, this morning uh, from Gerard. He goes, just call Kelly and have hers take my spot. I didn't do that because both of you guys were going to be here and I still am mad at her about uh, her April Fool's Day episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, but guys, so I want to I want to dive into a call review that I've been holding on to for a couple months now and um, just just getting the right time for this. Um, but it's a it's a fairly straightforward call. Nothing crazy is going to happen here. However, I think it's something that... I would just like to point out that the last time somebody told me it was a very straightforward call, I got murdered in paramedic school, so I'm a little on edge right now. <laughs> it's all right, tell us your frequent flyer died. Yeah, I heard, I saw that post. That's <laughs> so sad. It was literally heartbreaking. I right? have a favorite frequent flyer. He passed away. Heartbreaking. Yeah, I did see that The made-up frequent flyer. I... I <laughs> yeah, PSA, this is not an actual frequent flyer. It was a uh, frequent flyer in a lab scenario through paramedic school. <laughs> yeah, and it was still so sad because uh, that frequent flyer came after I left that program, so I never got to meet them. Um, but uh, in terms of today's call, it, it really is. It is very straightforward. Uh, hopefully you guys will, you know, put the pieces together and figure out what's going on. Uh, but I, 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 I wanted to really talk about this because I've honestly seen an uptick in these calls. Um, and there's, and you just don't see a lot of them to really be like, Oh, Hey, this is what we're going to do for this. So that's why I wanted to, uh, once I saw this call, I went to the provider and I was like, Hey, can I make this into an episode? And they were like, sure. So we sat down, we, you know, divvied up the details and, and here we go. So the system that this call takes place in is legit. My favorite kind of system. It is an ALS fly car with a BLS ambulance. Uh, this particular system is a County funded EMS response group, uh, who staffs each of their fly cars with one paid paramedic and they staff their BLS transport ambulances with two EMT basics. Uh, you guys have two hospitals in the area uh, one is a, um, local, like small six bed critical access center. 
And the other is a local community hospital approximately 45 minutes away. All of the other hospitals that are in the area are over a two-hour drive from from this seat. Um, so you guys... Wait, the are, first one was what? Uh, a six-bed critical access. Oh, critical access. And the other one's a community hospital. And the, yep, about 45-minute okay. drive. Okay. Um, so you guys are dispatched to... Uh, a Bravo priority or priority three to a private residence for a 59 year old female who suffered a syncopal episode. The County is sending the ALS fly car as well as a BLS ambulance to the scene. So initially I just want to get your, get your thoughts on syncope. Like, is there something like one thing above all else that you guys are like, this is the cause of syncope. When you hear go out on dispatch. No, I'm exact opposite. It could be literally anything. Okay. How about you, Kelsey? I'm the same way. I'm generally like, it's pretty much anything but a blood sugar because your blood sugar just doesn't drop and then spontaneously come back up. That's like the one thing I can't can rule out. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. You guys are the polar opposite of me. Um, I always, and, and I think I've made it into a joke. Um, but automatically when I think someone's passed out, I'm automatically going to head bleed. I don't know why, but I'm like, Oh, they got a head bleed. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, does it happen all the time? No, it's, you know, mostly vagal or dehydration or cardiac or whatever. It's very rarely head bleed. But every single time that I hear a dispatch for a syncopal episode, I'm like, oh, yep, head bleed. Um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then I, and, right, that escalated way too quick. Um, so so uh, the, uh, the medic fly car arrives first on the scene. Uh, the medic grabs their cardiac monitor and their ALS drug bag and heads to the, uh, to the door of the residence. At the door, they're met by a male smoking a cigarette, and he tells the, the paramedic, huh? I said, I love that. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, this gentleman tells the medic that his wife has COVID and he's pretty sure she passed out while walking up the stairs. He then leads the medic to the wife who's sitting on the living room couch. Um, so medic goes on in maneuvers into the living room, finds an adult female sitting on the couch with a tissue to her nose. Um, when asked what happened, she tells the medic that she's been feeling like absolute dog shit run down with no energy since about two days two like two evenings ago. So the night before the, the previous day and yesterday she took a home COVID test and it came back positive. Since then she's been increasingly weak fatigued and just overall run down today. She's been nauseous for most of the day has been unable to keep any food down. Um, and she said like when asked like, Hey, have you know, you've been drinking anything. She says that they're able to drink some fluids, but most of it just comes back up with the vomiting. Uh, so prior to calling EMS, uh, she took her temperature, found it was 102.3 Fahrenheit uh, with an oral thermometer. So she decided to take, uh, no joke, 1,500 milligrams of Tylenol mm -hmm. and, then, and then attempted to go and sleep on the couch. So as this story is unfolding to you guys, is there anything like worrisome or piquing interest? Um. So how long ago did she actually think about Uh, Not too long before you actually get there. So maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. So she took it, had the Tylenol, or Jesus, Christmas. Um, she... <laughs> what? <laughs> You're right, Kel? <laughs> Minor TIA. Um, so <laughs> she... Wasn't feeling good, had the fever, took the Tylenol, took a nap, woke up, syncopized. Uh, I don't even know if she took a nap at this point. Oh, she attempted. She attempted. Ah. 
So, yeah, it seems like she's been feeling run down and pretty crappy for the last two days. Uh, a home COVID test came back positive. She has a fever. She's been nauseous. Uh, you know, she attempted to lay down after taking all this Tylenol, and here we are. Maybe we'll get a further story. I don't know. Um, but is there is there anything that you guys are like, hmm, none of, like, does this make sense? Does it not make sense? Are we thinking that, you know, Turk's going to pull the rug out and be like, hey, UTI, here we go, you know? Well, yes, I am waiting for that, but, <laughs> I mean, it does make sense to me, like, this yeah. was me on Monday, so I get it. Yeah, and and I agree. I think most <laughs> of this makes sense, um, you know, how she syncopized. Well, I, I'm hoping we're going to get there. So yeah. the uh, the medic goes... Uh, I guess my, my only question would be, like, the husband is like, I think she syncopized walking up the stairs. Like, wh- where did where did you find what? <laughs> so yeah, is did he witness it? Did she actually like, go out? Like, what? Yeah, I agree. Or did you just find her in a heap at the bottom of the stairs? <laughs> like, okay. Now we're thinking maybe you know she fell down the flight of stairs. Right? Is there trauma? The that, right? Is there the blame? Is there the brain? <laughs> um, so the uh, the medic goes ahead and, and places the NIBP cuff on her arm and runs the first blood pressure, which returns uh, via the auto cuff as eighty four over fifty three, um, with the like, you know, artificially quackulated heart rate via the blood pressure cuff. Um, the heart rate comes back as forty three. So the medic, you know, goes ahead, continues, continues the initial assessment and finds she's fully alert and oriented times four. airways open. It's clear of fluid. She's breathing around 12 to 14 a minute um, and has like regular rhythmic non-labored breathing. Radial pulses are present yet slow and skin is intact. It's very pale. It's very cool, but it's dry. So again, I ask the concerning question, what here is concerning to you guys and do you have a reason for it? I mean, she's like, her skin is not great. She's not perfusing. She's hypotensive. And she's hypotensive. Did yeah. anybody check this with a manual? Uh, Calm down, ALS, Kelsey. Christ. Not at this point. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Not at this point. I um, feel like it was a genuine question. <laughs> That's a very permanent question of you. I know, right? Um, but yeah, no, I think all of that is is significant, right? You you have yeah. you have a very poor perfusion. You're clearly looking at you know. We don't know the cause of it, but we're looking at shock-like symptoms, right? right. Very pale, cool, dry skin, uh, bradycardia, you know, hypotension. That's decompensated shock. Um, no matter what you're looking at, what the cause right. is, who knows? But typically, if you're you know hypotensive, you're not bradycardic unless there's right. a reason. You're on a med. You have neurological issues. Right. There's a reason. Okay. Um, Kelsey, did you want to add anything before I move on? No, I mean, like my biggest thing was like the, the bradycardia and hypotension thing. Like, is it a med thing or is it just we're this far gone? Right. And is it something that we have to fix at this point? You know, um, clearly we're going to try and fix the blood pressure with fluids, you know, but her mental status is still intact. It's not I'm like we're going to really. She's mentating though. Right. And that's it. We're not going to touch the heart rate with electricity. Maybe, no. maybe some atropine, but I mean, she's alert and oriented times four. With Also like, you know, 43 is kind of low, but also like, what is your normal? You right. know, I'm assuming with well, the smoker in the household, um, you're, you know, maybe your lungs aren't that great, but like maybe you run 12 miles a day and your resting heart rate is 60. So 43 is not as low as like me, whose resting heart rate is 80. Right. Yeah. Um, So going forward, uh, 
She goes on to say that uh, when ultimately she she tried falling asleep, she was unable to fall asleep, and she became extremely restless and began complaining to her husband. Uh, she told she goes on to tell the medic that they began to fight, and he more or less like tossed her his sleeping pills and said, "Take these, shut the f up, stop complaining, <laughs> go upstairs and sleep." So. Oh she <laughs> she takes three of his sleeping pills and starts to walk upstairs. Uh, when she made the turn on the stairs, she said that her legs completely collapsed and that she fell to the ground. She reports, though, that she never actually lost consciousness, but her husband thought that she did. This is when they finally called for, you know, EMS activation. So... Are you guys jiving with this story or is it kind of just falling apart? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think it's kind of falling apart. So is there something that you're looking for going forward? I mean, we uh, we have, you know, flu-like COVID symptoms. We have a temperature. We have all of this Tylenol on board. Now we find out that we have sleeping pills on board, which who the hell knows what they are, right? Um, We have hypotension, we have bradycardia, and we have really terrible crappy skin. Not Not a good picture to paint. I guess like... I want to know what the sleeping pills were, you know, and taking three of them, were they three at 25 milligrams or were they three extra strength at 500 milligrams? Yeah. And also like, how big is this lady? Uh, like 140 pounds, maybe. Okay. Cause like, you know, somebody who's six, five on the bigger side is probably going to metabolize that a little bit differently than the person who's like five foot wears children's clothes. <laughs> Yes. Agreed. You know, uh, and, and it's, it's kind of relevant to find out what the heck they're taking too. you know, like you said, I want to know what they were. Are they sleeping pills, you know, like an Ambien or are they sleep? Right. Are they Benadryl or are they some natural substance? Right. You know, are, you know, are they a synthetic weed? That's just going to make you happy to fall asleep. Who knows? Right. Well, she's very happy. She's, she's, Ask her husband. Right. She's so happy. <laughs> so, uh, the uh, the Beelis crew arrives on the scene, and uh, they're told by the Medicaid, "Go grab the stair chair to get her out of the house." Uh, now she has requested transport to the local community hospital, forty five minutes away. Are you guys good with that decision, or that request? I should say. I mean, it's better than the critical access center. That it is. I 100% agree with that. Uh, Do you think it's appropriate for her current condition? I mean, right now, there's not a lot going on, you know, mentally. She's not decompensating her mental status or anything like that. She's not lethargic. She's not confused. Um, But we still haven't figured out a direction. Is this cardiac? Is this, you know, hypovolemia? Is it overdose? Is it trauma? We still haven't narrowed it down. Is it COVID? Who knows? I mean, I uh, I hate making this decision right now. I feel like I'm okay with it right now, but I need to keep reevaluating it. Okay. Like, I don't have any reason for that not to be okay right now. I just have too many unanswered questions. Yeah. I, that's the big mystery, right? Uh, right. You don't want to lean into an answer without all the facts. And right. that, that, so like, like, that makes me very uneasy as well. Yeah. So, I mean, if they told me this at this point on scene, I'm like, okay, well, let's keep investigating. But like, sure, for now, that's okay. Like, I would give my spiel of if we find something else going on, I mean, not that she's going to go to the critical, like, there is no other option really. But, um, you know, something, because, 
the only thing that's saving her that makes me okay with longer transport is that she's mentating, but in two seconds, she could not be mentating anymore. Right. And now you're by yourself with two EMTs wishing right. that so, you could RSI this lady. So I feel like, you know, that's a conversation I probably have with her. Like, we need to figure more out, but I don't have anything else to go on right now. So I guess that's a fine answer. Do you guys take the chance just with you guys if, you know, we have other hospitals at, you know, two hours away, do you take that chance of driving her two hours to say a bigger hospital if there was one? I don't know if there was. I think but say like there was. my concern with no, that I don't think is I would. if this is like a pharmacology issue based on what she took, you know, I can manage A, B, and C, but she needs whatever's going to combat the pharmacological issue that I probably can't fix, but that community hospital probably can. But you can't fix her airway if she loses it because you're by yourself. Well, I mean, you can. Nasally uh, intubate. Yeah, I mean, you could you could nasally intubate her. You could manage her with a BLS airway for a while. Um, for a while? What's a while? Two hours? I'm not, well, no, you're driving 45 minutes. I'm just saying, you know. That's where she wanted to go, though, right? Yeah, she wanted to go to the, the community hospital 45 minutes. So you got 45 minutes to manage this downturn. Uh, that's possible now, you know, I have already spilled the beans that she doesn't make this drastic downturn, uh, at the beginning of the episode. So we can already forego that it's probably safe to make her 45 minutes. What I do like is Kelsey bringing up the word that I'm already got my hand on the, on the red buzzer button because I'm going to fuck it up. But the pharmacological yeah, I didn't I didn't mess that up. So that mm-hmm. word, um, that was close. It was close. <laughs> Kelsey said it so like beautifully. Um, it's because I'm a pharmacology junkie. I love pharmacology. Yeah, my girl. Yeah, we're we're all proud of you for that. Um, but uh, but yeah, there there is something you know, that you have to kind of stick in the back of your mind that goes, hmm, is there something, you know, drug-related that might be causing this, and can I do anything about it? Probably not. Um, so... Uh, I think you'd be surprised. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um, so she is uh, finally secured to the stair chair, and she's moved out of the house, placed on the stretcher, and moved into the awaiting ambulance. The medic hops on board the ambulance and chooses to transport along with the BLS unit. That's probably a good good decision on the medic's part. So a uh, another set of vital signs is obtained. Uh, blood pressure via the NIBP cuff is 82 over 49, so a slight downturn. Uh, a heart rate of 50, so a slight uptick. Uh, respiratory rate of 14, unlabored. SpO2 of 99% on room air. And she continues to be a GCS of 15. Um, the, uh, the medic finally places her on the cardiac monitor since they didn't do that in the house with a bradycardia rhythm. So tisk tisk on that paramagician. Um, but places her on the cardiac monitor. And the initial rhythm uh, via the four lead is a sinus brady at 44. Uh, the, uh, the primary EMT who's going to transport in the back with the medic obtains a blood glucose just for, uh, just for, uh, Emily's sake. And, uh, I'm going to give them the kudos. <laughs> got of, a badass over here. And, <laughs> uh, that is, uh, that returns as 107 milligrams per deciliter. So in, you know, normal range. Um, the, uh, the EMT also obtains a, uh, infrared, you know, temperature zappy probe thing. Uh, and, uh, it records as 96.8 Fahrenheit. So again, she does have 1500 Tylenol on, so. Right. Uh, so the Tylenol is working, is, is slightly working. Um, so. While the EMT is gathering those things, the medic connects her to the 12 lead um, and obtains the first of multiple 12 leads. It returns as a sinus Brady, no ST elevations or depressions in any lead, 
However, the medic notes a QT interval of 0.500 seconds. So I'm going to pause here and I want to hear what you guys are honestly thinking about this whole thing at this point. What could be going on and what do you want this paramedic to do next? And I'm looking at Gerard. I was just going to say that. (laughs) I know what he's going to say. Get to the chopper! That's what he's going to (laughs) say. So now I'll look at you girls. Oh, Kelsey, you just got ALS'd. That's terrible. I don't know what she's doing. Hello? Hi. Did we did we ever find out what the sleeping pill was? No. Yeah. No, you did not. I mean, so we're history, right? We don't know history. Nope. I mean, I'm gonna watch that QT because if she took something like Ambien that can elongate the QT, we could have an issue. Assuming that, like, it's not fully metabolized yet. Um, but, like, in reality, that's just something that's going to be monitored. I'm assuming we have fluids going by now. Uh, nope. Cool. <laughs> we're, we're off to a great start. Less than what I was expecting. I, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. We've 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 gotten out of the house and we've just gathered an EKG. We've already been there for like I don't know, fifteen minutes, probably at least. I mean, she was hypotensive like within the first three minutes. Talking. Well, and that's and that's what's kind of crazy about it is the fact that like they are hypotensive and bradycardic, and this paramedic is like, yeah, that's fine. Nothing in the first 15 or so minutes. I, well, I mean, I, I would like to see those things that, done. That's cool. Yeah. I, you know, I would like to see, Hey, um, maybe I'll take an EKG. Maybe I'll do a 12 lead. Maybe I'll see if this bradycardic rhythm is cardiac related. I don't know. You know, well, they did a 12 lead, right? You said they have a 12 lead. Yeah. Like 15 minutes later. All right. Well, you know, you know, that's what I'm saying is it's, it, it probably should be, a, be done sooner. So, oh, uh, so we want to know the med name that that's, that's the big thing is, you know, I agree that certain meds can definitely elongate that, that QR, you know, interval. So we're looking out for that. Is there anything that you want this paramedic to do in the upcoming couple minutes? Besides fluids. Yeah, besides fluids. Is there anything else that they need other than fluids at this point? I mean, history would be nice, but if you if you find out the name of the med, you could call it poison control. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so the uh, the medic goes ahead and uh, does obtain uh, IV access, successfully placing an eighteen gauge to the left AC. Uh, hangs a thousand bag normal saline, begins the infusion wide open. Um, the uh, a secondary assessment is started by the EMT, and uh, while all this is going on, and uh, she remains alert and oriented times four. ABCs are still intact. She's still very pale, cool, uh, with you know still dry skin, no diaphoresis. There's no evidence of any shortness of breath or difficulty breathing. She's denied any type of chest pain, chest pressure, or, you know, other discomfort. And uh, lung sounds are taken, clear and equal in all fields, equal chest rise. So all of the secondary stuff looks good, right? Uh, Not complaining of any pain or anything elsewhere. So by this point in time, we've burned a couple minutes, and the auto 12 lead pops out another 12 lead. And... uh, What was that? What's the QTC now? Ah, so still showing a sinus Brady, no ST elevations or depressions, and the QT interval is now 0.504 seconds. So an increase of 
0.004 seconds um, from the previous, you know, 0.500 seconds. So again, it's widening by a narrow margin, but it's still widening. And uh, she goes on, she's again, offering no complaints other than just feeling very run down, very tired. Uh, but you know, converses really easily with the crew is not, you know, falling asleep or anything like that. So the medic begins to try and gather some kind of history from her since we should have done that eons ago, it seems, but we're finally getting around to it. So past medical history is depression. Uh, no other, no other medical, you know, diagnosed history, um, an allergy to penicillin and medications of gabapentin. And uh, I'm going to fuck this one up, so I might as well just get my buzzer ready. The buzzer ready. Uh, but uh, gabapentin and a boop, how do you say this? The bupropion? B-U-P? Yeah, that one. Propion. See? <laughs> See, it's just that me. That wasn't I even just... a hard one. Oh, no, it is because, you know, <laughs> I can't speak English. Uh, so that one. Um, so... <laughs> So that that's, and, and again, that's all you, all you get at this point, uh, you know, for history, allergies and meds. So still, we don't know what the husband's taking. Um, so QT is getting wider. Um, are you guys looking to call anybody, do anything for that QT or just kind of monitor it at this point? It's different for me. I work in a hospital. The baby paramedic. Oh, she's dead. Okay. Well, so her psych history or her medications that she had all cause elongated QT. So, like, that's already concerning for me. But the fact that she's currently elongating in front of us tells me that whatever she took is also causing that. Um, And ironically, like, that will cause bradycardia. One of the things you do to treat that is give a beta blocker, but I don't know if I would do that for her in an ambulance. That's a little more uncontrolled, but like I would probably call and be like, Hey, this is what I have. What do you think? Chances are they're going to tell you like, Oh, monitor and get her here. Right. But I think it's still worth a call to be like, Hey, this is what we're coming in with. You ready? Yes, I agree. So like we, I don't, I don't think going down the beta blocker route, like that's for specific ones. I don't know off the top of my head, but that's not like a blanket, you know, a blanket statement uh, for, you know, all antidepressants that that cause. No, no, no. But beta blockers treat the long QT. Right. Because eventually they slow everything down and right. Right. But she's already bradycardic, so we can't do that. Right. And my thing on her is, like, chances are they're probably going to be like, oh, we'll just monitor and flush it out with, like, fluid. Right. And so, but something to keep in the back of your mind, like, she's currently getting worse with her elongated QT. So this isn't something that's like, oh, well, she probably always has one because of the med she's on. That's more unlikely now because it's, getting worse in front of you. Right. And the fact and it's something you need to keep your eye on. Right. And the and it's not only just, you know, keep an eye on how big it's going to get, but also what's going to come down the road when it gets bigger. Right. You know, so we have to be worried about, you know, ventricular arrhythmias and all those right. other good things that are eventually going to come down the road. So should we be getting ready for those as well? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think you're doing it a service to sit there and watch it and not be ready for it. Right, right, exactly. You know, and this is kind of one of those where we really have to monitor these closely. Maybe yeah. maybe do serial 12 leads in the five-minute ranges so that, you know, we're keeping a really close eye right. on these QTCs. So, right. question... And, and correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't prolonged QTs generally, if you're going to pick a crappy rhythm for it to go into, it picks torsades? Yes, typically. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and that it, it'll 
it'll elongate into torsades and then it will come out of torsades into like a V-fib or something like that. And then just asystole. Typically, that's the progression. Um, you know, so maybe pre-mixing mag at this point might be, right. you know, smart. might be smart, you know, um, just for, oh, hey, I'm, I'm prepared just in case this is eventually going to go that route. Um, right. And torsades is so easy to miss, too, you know, like. It's really easy to miss. Um, again, maybe having that, you know, serial 12 lead really looking at the monitor being like, yep, I'm going to sit over here. EMT, you really focus on that. And I'm going to really watch these these rhythms uh, coming out of the monitor. So Why is it so easy to miss? Is it because it's something that we don't recognize right away or just because it's in and out? But I, I, think, I think a little bit of both. To be 100%, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, You know, in 15 years of doing EMS, I have never seen torsades in the field. I've seen it on paper. I've seen it. I've seen it on, you know, I've seen it on paper. I've seen it from other medics being like, yeah, I had torsades. Here it is. Right. Um, But yeah, even when I was an EMT, none of my paramedics ever saw it. You know, um, it doesn't show its ugly head all that often, you know? And I think a lot of times it might show itself and we just never see it, yeah, you know, because it is in and out so quick, you know? Um, so as, as we continue, the medic begins to question a little bit more about other medications she took today. So we're finally getting into that questioning of, what else was all of this stuff, right? Asking specifically about medication she took uh, that her husband, like that was the husband's as well as any, you know, illicit drugs. She denies any illegal drugs, tells, you know, uh, told EMS that she normally does not share any type of medications with anybody. Um, However, tonight she felt so off with the restless leg syndrome that she just had to figure out a way to get some rest and she wanted to shut her husband up because they started fighting. So she says that, you know, uh, his medication is for uh, his bipolar mood swings. She can't really recall the name of the med, but says it's something like this. Name something that follows the word pork. You pine. He said, Q pine. Q pine. What? What is Q pine? This is the greatest answer I've ever heard. So I, I have to thank Steve Harvey for uh, the perfect uh, soundbite for this, you know, drug. But she says something cupine. Um, now, M, knowing history, knowing meds, Kelsey, you too, do we know what med that she's talking about? Yes. Which one? I'm trying to find the real name for it. <laughs> Seroquel. Um So the, uh, what is, what is the actual quitted, quitinapine? Yeah. Quitinapine. Yeah. Quin- is- quintenapine or something like that. Yeah. I don't really know how you pronounce that. <laughs> uh, hold on. I'm literally Googling it as we speak. Uh, Q-U-E-T-I-A-P-I-N-E. Quitiapine. Something like that um, is the generic for Seroquel. So vital signs are rechecked. Uh, Blood pressure now via manual cuff because they're all badasses. Um, We've got a badass over here. Is now 100 (laughs) over 60. Uh, Heart rate is 46. It's still regular bradycardic. Uh, Respiratory rate is 16 unlabored. SpO2 is 98% on room air. She's still resting comfortably. No new complaints. Uh, 12 lead three 
now is auto run from the monitor and continues to show the sinus Brady with no ST elevations and or depressions. QT is measured again, and it is now 0.514 seconds compared to last 12 lead, which was 0.504 seconds. So we've increased another uh, good, you know, portion of, uh, you know, QT interval uh, widening. The, uh, the first thousand bag of normal saline uh, is now completed. Another bag was hung and opened to like half wide open this time. So nearing the hospital, the EMT gives a radio report. Last set of vitals uh, is taken. Comes back as 90 over 70 uh, BP via the manual cuff. Heart rate still bradycardic at a rate of 45. Respiratory rate of 16, unlabored, SpO2 of 99%. So nothing to write home with there. Uh, the crew arrives at the ER. She's unloaded to the community hospital, turned over to the nursing staff without incident. And so before I give you an update, because I have an update, um, how do you like, how do you think this all went overall? There really is nothing crazy that went. She didn't spontaneously go into torsades. Um, you know, the, the QT, even though it kept elongating, kind of kept itself in check. So is there something to build off of here? I think you just need to remember to not hone in on something in the beginning. Like, it, you know, I can see a lot of people being like, oh, well, it's just COVID. Well, maybe, but maybe it's something else. Right. And I think, like, I guess, like, the whole, like, thinking 10 steps ahead thing, like, sitting there being like, okay, like, maybe I don't know what arrhythmia is. Like, I, sitting there, because I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have called Emily and been like, hey, Emily, here's a question for you. (laughs) I would have typed in a little Google and been like, okay, so what arrhythmias are caused by prolonged QT and prepared myself for that. So, like, maybe I grabbed the mag out because, you know what, it's not a narcotic. So if I draw it up and I don't use it, right. I mean, even if you drop a narcotic and use it, meh. (laughs) But, like, I think it's one of those things that, like, you can't... This isn't a problem that you can directly fix. You know, it's not a calcium issue. It's not a, um, you know, hyperkalemia issue. It's not something you can directly fix. So you have to be prepared for what's coming. To treat the symptom, yeah. Yeah, like, pull the mag out. Get your cardiac epi out, you know. Go through your defib doses in your or your defib jewels in your head if you need to. Like, be prepared for whatever way this could go. You know, seizure. Make sure your narcs are available to get your bursad ready because at this point you can't fix what's going to cause the outcome. So you're pretty much going to be like putting band aids on bullet holes. So the quicker you're ready for that, the better it'll be. Well, yeah, I think that's the lesson Mm -hmm. to be learned from this whole thing. If you don't know what's going on, find out best you can. Google it. Figure out what you're going to be looking for down the road. And then you just, like you guys said, kind of have to be ready for what's coming since you can't actually fix the cause, right? Right. Um, We can't fix the QTC elongation, right? We don't know whether it's because of the antidepressant that she took or the Seroquel that she took, right? We don't know. Um, but both of those will elongate the QT. I'm going to talk about the Seroquel specifically um, because, you know, in the update, what the uh, what we found uh, or, you know, what the hospital found, I should say, is uh, that she did take the Seroquel, right? Um, She took a a grand total of 75 milligrams. So she initially took 20, uh, you know, three 25 milligram pills. And uh, ultimately she was discharged without any cardiac complication, which is, which is awesome, right? She, she dodged the bullet there. But one of the crazy things is, is like, we don't see, Seroquel overdoses all that often. And thank God. Thank, right. Thank God. Right. Now, Seroquel is 
just it's a it's a it's a really cool drug that does a lot of weird things that most of this stuff really they don't even know how it works they just know it does so they go yeah this is great for human consumption here you go mm-hmm. right um and that's most like meds i know right it's so fucking crazy they don't yeah they don't know how most like meds work yeah it's so freaking crazy but so like seroquel is in the class of drugs called an antipsychotic um it the the in the all knowing class drug is antipsychotic second generation anti-manic agent mm-hmm. that's a mouthful i like antipsychotics way better um but it's overall used in the management of major depressive disorder schizophrenia and bipolar disorder um so it really has a lot to do with mood uh, stabilization and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, they definitely, you know, realize these, you know, these QTC, uh, you know, interval, uh, prolonged nations, uh, when, you know, giving these antipsychotics, but you also have the, uh, the coma aspects of these too, the, the, the mental depression that happens with these as well. Uh, so, you know, I've had them where they've taken 500 milligrams yeah. of Seroquel and they've been out cold, but their QT is completely fine. But here you have a patient who took 75. They're awake and alert and oriented, but their QT is bugging out. So there really is no threshold to how your patient's going to react being that they took a crap ton of Seroquel. And a lot of times you see the Seroquel overdoses with like, uh, and correct me if you guys have seen it differently, but when I see Seroquel overdoses, it's always for someone who is trying to commit suicide and, you know, they, oh, well, I had Seroquel, so I took a bunch of it. And then it's like, yeah, okay, well, now you're going to be sleepy. Like, hope I don't have to intubate you. You know, like you're not going to die in my care unless your QT really goes out of whack. But typically they're okay. So, yeah. so I, I got a bunch of stuff that I want to just say about, uh, about Seroquel and then I'll let you guys kind of chime in, uh, here and there, uh, you know, in, in what you guys know about Seroquel and have dealt with it. I'm kind of interested to see what you have to say with the hospital's use of Seroquel, uh, M. So as we said, the mechanism of action of Seroquel is not really fully understood. Uh, there are several proposed mechanisms. Um, and one of them is in schizophrenia. It's actions could occur from the antagonism of dopamine type two and serotonin to a receptors. Um, within bipolar depression and major depression disorder, uh, Seroquel's actions may be attributed to the binding of this drug um, to the norepinephrine transporter. Um, additional effects of Seroquel, including the somnolence, uh, orthostatic hypotension, and anticholinergic effects, may result uh, from the antagonism of H1 receptors. Um, adrenergic A1 receptors and something I'm not even going to try and pronounce. I'll just hit the button. Oh no, that's the wrong buzzer. I love when I am on the can, wrong. Can sound you buzz button. yourself on a wrong button buzz? <laughs> a double buzzer myself on that one. <laughs> um, it's been a while. I'm out of practice. Um, and, uh, and my soundboard is not in front of me anymore. Girls. It's now to the side of me. So like, it's a very weird system I got going on here. You know, microphones in front, cameras over here. What I'm reading is over here, and the soundboard is like completely ninety degrees to my left. It's very odd. Um. So yeah, so some signs and symptoms of Seroquel overdose include the drowsiness, the tachycardia, and the hypo or the. Oh my god, I was just gonna say hypocardia, guys. Um, I didn't, so I'm not going to, I was about to the tachycardia and the bradycardia and the hypotension, uh, clinical trials demonstrate that overdoses up to 
30 grams of Seroquel do not result in death. A lethal outcome was reported in clinical trial after an overdose of 13.6 grams. Um, in the case of an... I know, right? It's the one lethal outcome. I don't know. Uh, in a case of acute overdose, ensure to maintain an airway, provide adequate ventilation, oxygenation. Um, and this one's fun. Uh, gastric lavage following intubation. Oh, my favorite. Right? Uh, if necessary, along with what we don't ever use anymore, activated charcoal and a laxative may be considered. So let's not only make them puke all over your ambulance, but shit all over it as well, too. Um, the uh, the possibility of uh, being obtundent, uh, seizures, and uh, dystonic reaction of the head and neck following overdose may create a risk for aspiration with induced emesis. Um, cardiac monitoring should also take place uh, a no QT inter- interval prolongation in an overdose. Well, we already know that one. So let's see. What else did I write down here? Um, postmarking reports reveal increases in the cardiac QT interval in cases of serical overdose. Um, and let's see. Do-do-do. Uh, those taking drugs that increase QT interval or affect electrolyte levels uh, let's see. Those are all ones. Yes, I know. The majority of drugs linked to QT interval prolongation are, um, are linked to pharmacological blockade of HERG. Anybody know what HERG is? Nope. Me neither. Um, but, uh, the majority of drugs linked to QTC interval prolongation are linked to pharmacological blockade of HERG human ether. I got a definition for you if you'd like. I, I was just going to read it, but you can give me the further definition. The human ether a go related gene, the, uh, also the potassium channels, which mediate the rapid delayed, um, uh, IKR current and thereby influence ventricular repolarization. So what is the HERG blockade? So HERG channels are like a broader classification for your potassium channels um, and specifically like this one type of potassium channel, which is super important for repolarization. So it's like not a specific one thing. It's like a broader term, but basically your HERG channels are every channel that is involved in cardiac action cardiac action potential repolarization. So they're basically the function of what lengthens your ventricular action, prolongs the QT, increases, you know, your risk for ventricular arrhythmia is the minute that something's disrupted. But it's basically like a catch-all for any of the channels that are involved in repolarization. Well, that's so, yeah. So now you're looking at what potassium, uh, calcium, um, sodium, you're looking at all of those now. Yeah, I mean, it's primarily the potassium ones, which is like your IKR yep. channel, yep. I guess, is the specific one. But Well, that's pretty cool. See, the more you know. <laughs> so now at least people can understand like, hey, if, you know, if you're overdosing on these, you know, these Seroquils and these, you know, uh, these other antidepressants, and you're seeing QTCs, now you're understanding why. Because it's it's literally attacking all of your cardiac conduction cycle, you know, channels. So that makes sense that it's, you know, it's it's blocking that repolarization factor, which would make, you know, that QT interval longer. So, um, question. Would it be possible for, like, you know, you get them to the hospital, them to flood the patient with potassium. I know, like, you don't do that because it'll kill somebody, but, like, provide an increased amount of potassium to flood the o- minimally opened channels. So, like... I doubt it because that has side effects in and of its own. Okay. Um, most serical overdoses that I've ever seen, we just pump their stomach and flood them with fluids. I mean, we can correct potassium, 
But when you're talking about like flooding the cells with potassium, there's no way once it's there, we can't regulate it from there. And now you got to worry about I should say, right. So they won't flood with potassium, um, but you can correct the electrolyte imbalance. So you can make sure that you have enough potassium where it needs to be. Interesting take. Um, yeah, I, you know, and, and I was kind of curious to see like what the hospital did for these, um, you know, knowing yeah, they, they just kind of, you know, pump, make sure nothing, you know, cause it, it sounds like even they can't fix the QT. They're just going to fix the inevitable of what happens anyway. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you kind of see these and this is why I wanted to talk about this is because, you know, here you have a patient that, you know, is ultimately fine, was fine in EMS care, right? There wasn't really anything that, that EMS did that was, you know, wholeheartedly, oh my God. Um, but we don't, we see these, I, I feel like we've been seeing serical overdoses more frequently all of a sudden. At least I have, um, you know, within the past six months, I've seen like three, three or four. And that's a lot, especially in the, you know, agency that I work. That's a significant, you know, percentage of, of Seracol overdose patients. Um, you know, and most I've sent some of them BLS. I've taken in some ALS and done literally nothing. I've literally just sat there. I've been like, yep, I'm just going to sit here and make sure they don't die. You know, I don't even do a line because they were completely fine. EKG was fine. They were fine. And, you know, we went in, no worries. Um, I don't know. I felt like we kind of needed a little bit of, we needed to talk about it, you know? And that's why I kind of brought this up. Um, I don't know from your guys' standpoints, if you guys have been seeing these, you know, more so, um, I just, I felt like it was something interesting to talk I about. I feel like not overdoses per se, but I feel like I have seen a insane amount of patients on Seroquel recently. Like, no, I was just going to say that. What meds do you take? Blah, 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 Seroquel. Like, I feel like, you know, like when you said popular. it, I was like, I feel like I have seen an increasing number of patients who take it now. Let's see. Do I mean, I think that speaks to mental health in America right now. But, um, you know, I think it's something to bring up, too, because so this patient overdosed on Seroquel. But in reality, like most antipsychotics have this exact same thing. So it's something to keep in the back of your mind when you're doing any single episode unresponsive, like what are you have to get a good history? Yeah. Because I don't know if I've seen an increase in serical overdoses specifically, but I've seen an increase in overdoses on patients whole meds and that gets dicey. Yeah. And so I just looked it up. Uh, Kels, it says here the estimated number of prescriptions for Seroquel, uh, and this is, 2020s numbers so again two years ago pre-pandemic blah when everybody you know was stuck in the house and got depressed all of a sudden but those numbers were 10.5 million uh number yeah, it's, of scripts it's hugely popular so even even without the pandemic and even without people you know um you know being more clinically depressed and on Seroquel probably in more numbers now, that's still a cripe ton of people, right? Yeah. Um, it says here, according to clincalc.com, uh, it is number 64 in the top 100 drugs. So, I mean, well, it's, it's that far down. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's up there, you know? So, and, and in reality, like for, young people who are depressed, especially now, it's a fairly safe drug because, you know, a lot of the, the side effects and clinical indications for not giving this med is cardiac related. Well, if you're having a young, healthy person, they're probably safe to go on this because they probably still have healthy heart. 
So right. you're seeing Circle a lot more these days. Yeah, and that's that's something to, to kind of keep in the back of the mind too is, you know, what are the patients that they're going to give these to? Like, should they be bradycardic? Probably not. You know, like if I got, you right. know, majorly depressed – I doubt that my, you know, my cardiologist would, you know, be okay with me going on Seroquel with my pacemaker, you know, Um, you know, so that can kind of clue you in like, Hey, you know, for more, more history type stuff, um, you know, and then do they maybe, you know, they have cardiac history, but like in this case, they took somebody else's and now they're on beta blockers and the Seroquel now you might be in a, a further, you know, uh, you know, problem or they're on some form of, uh, you know, rate control. Maybe it's not a beta blocker. Maybe it's something else, you know, uh, maybe it's a calcium channel blocker or something like that. That's going to control the rate. And now they're really bradycardic and, you know, we find them having a syncopal episode where their rate is 20, you know? Yeah. And we're looking for a cause. Well, maybe it's the mixing of these medications. So right. I don't know. It's, it's a reason you have to get a really good history. Agreed. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we hit the nail on where you really have to focus with these kind of non-specific things. And going all the way back to syncope is just a so non-specific thing. Oh, no. You know, it. it and I'm one of those that like any syncope for me is ALS. If I can prove that it was actually syncope, I'm not one of those that will be a less a syncope. If it was actually like, yep, you really did pass out. Um, because you don't just pass out for no reason. So there, there has to be a reason and I should probably be there, you know? Right. Um, but do you girls have anything else to add before I wrap up, uh, wrap up today? I don't think it was a good conversation. I don't think yeah, I, I feel think like we, we covered it pretty well. I I would agree. So uh guys, thank you again for joining us. Hopefully uh by the new year we'll have some more episodes up. Thank you girls for joining us. Uh we did uh miss Gerard. I finally did get a text message from. Uh he was did enjoying a uh, lovely dinner with his wife. Uh so oh, I don't I don't hold that against him whatsoever. He no. deserves it. Um, and uh, he should do that more often with his lovely wife yeah. uh, since they are both such lovely people. But till next time, guys, stay safe, stay strong, and uh, donuts. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.